0: What did the hat say to the scarf? You hang around. I'll go on ahead. What is up everybody? Welcome to the MDG Untapped Podcast, episode number 49. Three away from a year. I am your host, I am the Micah, and joining me as always, he is my friend and yours. He is Costa. How are you, my friend?
1: Oh ho ho, Merry Christmas, y'all. It's uh Santa Santa Costa today. <laughs>
0: I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm the one wearing the hat.
1: Yeah, but you're not fat, so it doesn't
0: <laughs> Well, okay then. uh Let's just hop right into the phase in and let's talk about what pretty much everyone else is talking about. And that's Spider Man. Uh, well, let's kick it. It's, it's like brief. We were going to do, we were finally going to do the MCU untapped thing on Monday. After you saw it on Sunday, I saw it Saturday. And we're going to do MCU untapped. And then we just didn't. So we're going to, I feel we're going to do it eventually. We're going to just not now. So we're going to talk about Spider-Man on our magic gathering podcast. Uh, So let's do this. It's a brief spoiler free bit. And then we'll yell spoilers, whatever.
1: Maybe moment. you might as well just say spoilers now, so people know. Like, just heads up: spoilers if you don't want to know, because we're gonna talk about this.
0: Yeah, I guess skip to like the twelve-minute mark of the podcast. We'll give ourselves a fat, decent chunk of time here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. it. was my favorite MCU movie of the year. I think because I, Shane, cheer like right there. I really like Shane Chi, but I think the big moments you got in this movie outshine the big moments you got in Shang chi so for that reason i'd bump uh, it over Shang chi Like a and, uh, and so uh yeah I, I really really enjoyed it i had i had a couple nitpicks but well i don't know i want to hear what your your thoughts were first
1: yeah i i mean i just think it's the best uh i think it's the best marvel movie to date um i'm very much a nostalgia person so even though Uh, for the record, I am not, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually liked Andrew Garfield better than I liked Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. And I think it was mostly because like going into the third movie, I don't know. Just something about Toby was
0: so awful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, it kind of ruins a little bit for for Toby's character. Um, and I just felt like, you know, it's funny because a lot of people say, and I know like Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, like, cries a lot, whatever, but I feel like he was kind of that way in the beginning, but I don't see him as wimpy versus like Toby. I see him kind of wimpy sometimes. And so I, I don't know. Just it, and I loved Andrew Garfield's like, um, satire like he he very much embodied what i like when i was watching like saturday morning cartoons uh you know the amazing spider-man cartoon series like that's how i see spider-man so uh i did like andrew garfield better but as far as nostalgia goes growing up with that spider-man um i think they did it so tastefully the fan service like they could have definitely have just uh uh billy dean what's his name billy dean from uh Hondo or uh, Lando from uh, uh That's Hondo? That's an entirely different Star Wars yeah. character. <laughs> Lando from uh Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Him literally. just showing up in the last in uh what's the name of the last Star Wars movie? Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. That movie was so awful.
1: Ah, I'm uh, Lando. And then he just kind of walks in again. Ah, I'm Lando. Like like they did nothing with that dude. I was so pissed. I was like, you could have literally given him anything. You could have given him a gun. And he could have shot somebody, but instead he just pops in selling crap and then leaves. Like <laughs> so they did a really good job in the fan service here. And and it really made sense to me a lot of this stuff. Um, but I think they're just doing a great job in general with the whole like, oh, the timeline. We can do whatever we can make any mistake we want, and it doesn't matter. So uh
0: yeah, so if, like regarding the Spiderman's Tom Holland's my favorite Spider Man, it's not particularly close. Uh, I really liked of like the Spider-Man cameos in this movie. I thought Andrew Garfield was like far better than mm-hmm. Tony McGuire. Like, but uh, like my one one of my my biggest nitpick as I wish the introduction to bringing them into the story was a lot more grand. And I don't think it necessarily had had to happen at the same time, because like in my mind, it's like because like right like, straight out say what happens like Tom Holland goes off and like. Ned, for some reason, can use magic now. He's like, Find Peter Parker because he stole Doctor Strange's uh, sling ring, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And then the other Peter Parker comes in. They do it again. And then Tony McGuire comes in. I think it would have been cool, like, say, the the fight at the apartments, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, Tom Holland's about to get walloped or whatever. And then Andrew Garfield, Spider Man, comes in and saves him. Right. And then that's how you introduce that one. I feel like the hype of him, like, coming in and, like, Saving him would be bigger than just like, all right, there's a portal, then he just turns around and takes his mask off. And mm-hmm. then like Toby McGuire I love the freaking like youth pastor joke they made with him. I thought it mm-hmm. was funny. Um but then like and then like how could you could have like Toby McGuire be the one like to get uh Tom Holland Spider Man to come around. Like like they, they're trying to talk to him and then like Toby Maguire's Spider Man just shows because like he said he was looking for him right and then so i feel like they could have done more with like the introduction that's like a minor nitpick although a lot of there's a lot of memes where it's like how they could have avoided the entire entirety of this movie where it's like spider-man goes dr strange like hey can you just like make everyone forget about mysterio and, like what he's said he's like sure thing kid boom in the
1: movie <laughs> um uh, yeah, I mean I they could have gone at this a ton of different ways. and for the record, I, I think between I, I might have said i th- I think what I wanted to say was between Andrew Garfield and Tommy Andrew yeah. Andrew's my favorite. I don't know who it is overall. it is between Garfield and Tom Holland. um but it was back to what you were saying, yeah, you could have gone at a different like a ton of different ways i I actually really appreciate the let's just. Red Ranger, Power Ranger, this where like they all show up at once, kind of thing. I actually really appreciate some of that because, um, and yeah, obviously there was like some flaws in it, right? Like if Ned's finding those two, if he does a sling ring one more time, he finds, should find Tom Holland, unless they just like, oh, well, now we have to add, you know, the Spider Verse people in here or whatever. But my point just is the like
0: animated thing on the other side of the portal, it's all animated,
1: right? Right. So, no, I, I I don't know. Something about it gave the audience enough time to just soak it in and be like, Oh, you know, and kind of like geek out for a moment. Cause like in the middle of a battle for sure, like you could have brought it in there and it would have been a cool way to introduce it. I don't know if I would have the gravity of like losing may and having the Spider-Man comes in. Like you're like, you really wanted to kind of get that point of Aunt may just died or uncle, the uncle Ben of that just died you want to absorb that in you want to absorb how amazing William Dafoe was. I mean, my oh God, that dude has it. That, that was just such a, such a great embodiment and representation of the green goblin, how he was. I mean, he just brought all of that into this movie. Like he, he definitely stole the show in my opinion, uh, as least as far as the, the villains go, uh, he did an extremely terrific job. Uh, so did, uh, Alfred Molina. Um, I, I loved his character and and, and whatnot, but and, and it's funny, really. All of them did a good job in embodying what they were in their own respective multiverses. But man, William Dafoe just it's, yeah, not out of the park.
0: It's me, uh, William Dafoe's Green Goblin was the second best part of the movie. Although mm-hmm. some people say like Jamie Foxx's character acted entirely different than the way he acted in Amazing Spider Man Two, which I am gonna be honest that I that was like one of the ones I just couldn't care less about. Whenever I was at the theater watching it. Mm-hmm. and so i was like that's why i was like i'll take your word for it i can't remember it but the best part of the movie happens in like the first five minutes and that's when a certain blind lawyer shows up
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and i i we saw it like 10 a.m and saturday uh trey and i friend of the podcast uh so 10 a.m saturday morning and whenever he popped up i'm a huge fan of the netflix daredevil series and i popped off i was the only one that just one random white dude screaming in the movie theater. Uh but yeah, and then it's like and he, he catches that brick that flash through the window, and he's like, how do you do that? He's like, I'm a really good lawyer. Um but and then like uh then when, like one thing that Trey pointed out, that's the other thing is like so like at the end, like everyone forgets Spider Man, like mm-hmm. that he's Spider-Man. Or just forgets him in general. Like they have no idea, they don't even know that he's not Spider-Man. That's why I think that's kinda like different from like the original thing they're gonna do i suppose like the thing they ended up doing mm. uh and so uh trey was like why don't they just have it like whenever the spell happens he's standing there with his friends instead of leaving so the first thing they see when they really forget is like who's this guy who's spider-man he's like hey i'm your best friend and I'm um, hey i'm your boyfriend and it's like um but whatever that's that's another minor nitpick for me i don't think it's my number one marvel it's definitely top five uh i probably have like seven or eight movies in my top five right now hmm. I, I don't think i liked it more than infinity war and ragnarok um but it's, it's up- still up there for me with like guardians it's above shang chi i liked it more than endgame i don't know that for sure
1: Uh, let's put it this way as far as like an action-packed enjoyment of a movie um, like rewatchability it has a high rewatchability but i don't think it goes past like you know like you said like ragnarok or infinity wars but it, it is my favorite because they did they did such a good job in capturing what I remember as a kid, really liking about the Spider-Man movies. And even at that time, I recognized how cheesy it was, but it was like, you know, it's Spider-Man, you know, you kind of expect that. So in a, in a intangible way, it is my, my favorite. They just did. I mean, like I said, they could have really butchered it. And the fact that they didn't, um, you know they didn't they didn't just do fan service in the sense of, like i said like with billy dean i keep forgetting his name but like uh
0: lando lando
1: yeah lando they uh you know they could have just done that and instead instead they were, they did such a good job like and like, like you said they could have done better things for sure but just the fact that they didn't screw it up was really good so um yeah
0: well okay then that will do it for the phase in uh, we timed that very well. Uh, about 12 minutes on the mark there. Uh, so let's move on to the untap step. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, behind the scenes thing. My monitor was just freaking out on me for a second. But alright, let's go into the untap step where we talk about magic that we played over the past week. And Costa, do you have anything you want to regale us with?
1: Yeah, I butchered that draft so bad. Oh man. It's a lesson to everybody. I just can't... Uh... First of all... It's a lot different recording a podcast for me than it is recording a uh, YouTube thing. I just, I've relegated the fact that I just don't care to be in front of a camera and <laughs> people seeing me. It's kind of weird. So, um, between that and then multitasking, uh, <laughs> people coming in my room and whatnot, I was just, I butchered the hell out of it. So, needless to say, that draft only ended up. I think the record... I think I ended up getting one more win, so it was like a three and three, but God, I was just throwing games hard. Um, But the deck was pretty cool. Um, We definitely ramped... We had the capability of ramping and all that stuff. I mean, you've seen it a hundred times. The... Uh, I just can't get over how bad the floods are for me. I mean, it's not just for me, but just like I've I just overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly have noticed the flood has just been nuts. And now I have 17 lands up. So uh, I do have some recorded, whatever documentation. In fact, I just did a draft today in red white, kind of the same thing. I'm just like, oh, it's sickening, it's sickening. But. Uh, yeah. So that's basically all I did. And you know, some dailies here and there, Yeah, it's kind of the holidays right now. So we haven't been doing as much. Um, you, you said you haven't really done much either, right?
0: Uh, I just, uh, so Saturday after we saw the movie, we were hanging out and we decided like, screw it, let's set it up. And so I started streaming on Twitch at the Micah 21 and, uh, we started off playing some Halo, but then whenever my buddy Trey left the room, I was like, Yeah, we're gonna switch to magic. And so uh and being a uh, the world's newest, most coolest magic streamer, uh I was like, I want to do something very unique to like celebrate the so I played mono white on the ladder. And uh that was that was a joke, mono white's all over the place. And uh nothing really super exciting happened. Uh I won the first four games, and I was like, Okay, we're gonna call the stream there. But yeah, um, I didn't really do much. Uh yeah, that draft was kinda of rough. Just
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were just like, God, why you why are you playing right now? And usually, I mean, I feel like I do pretty well, but I think the last few times you see me and maybe it's just I don't do well, but I definitely I, I will say this, I think that in the presence of people on the computer because like you've seen me play in person and i and i feel like my in play person's a lot different versus here arena i'm like zooming through like i'm clicking you hear me i'm clicking that button like all the time just trying to get through and so i think that's kind of an issue that i have here on arena um more so obviously than in person because in person i used to do i used to have that problem too i used to just like play a little too fast and miss lines or whatever. And I've learned to really, I'm not slow. I just know I'm much more calculated. I'm not really letting things distract me. So apparently I'm just not very good with distractions on computer, but I'll get better at it. The more practice, the better you get. Right. So
0: I'm still in that uh, part where whenever I play in person, it's just like, I don't want to make my opponent wait. So I just rush through things and end up missing something and especially when you play like juniors are very good about it. it's like oh you, you, you roll, roll, let's roll it back let's roll it back right but then uh but then i'm just like then i feel awkward and, uh and so i'm just like okay never mind let's just let roll with it let's keep going
1: right
0: yeah all right so that'll do it for the untap step hopefully next week we have more joyous and exciting tales to tell
1: it's gonna be i don't know because i might <laughs> maybe the week after that because i might be out of town so we'll see
0: well hopefully i have something to do yes hopefully okay, okay so let's move on to the first of today's main talk to- well, it's actually just the only main topic the second thing we're going to talk about is more of a a fun little thing but that's uh about two hours after we finished recording last week they had the weekly mtg stream where they Gave us our first look at Kamigawa. And we got a few new cards. We got to see the basic lands, for, or some of the basic lands for the set. Uh, this is, we'll get into it later. And some new uh, things, uh, cards, styles are going to be very expensive, it seems. So, uh, let's get into the very first card that they spoiled for Kamigawa, Neon Dynasty. <laughs> Who's limited primer and run it back. Some are going to be judged by yours truly. And that is Kaito Shizuki. One blue and a black for a legendary Planeswalker Kaito has three starting loyalty. And it has the static ability at the beginning of your end step. If Kaito Shizuki entered the battlefield this turn, he phases out. Then it has three loyalty abilities starting with plus one, draw a card, then discard a card unless you attacked this turn. That seems pretty good. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked. Seems pretty good. Then minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a blue or black creature card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, I really I love the design of this. Having a Planeswalker that phases out the first turn it comes down is really creative design so that it doesn't die on just like being attacked or sorcery speed removal. Uh it does not seem super oppressive. I mean at the height it's like you play it, you down tick to make a one one and then it just becomes a howling mine. Like a three mana one one howling mine thing is seems fair. And you don't judge it you don't judge plane based off their ultimates. But and it's not an ultimate that like immediately wins you the game. Like if it still folds like a board wipe kind of thing but mm-hmm. i love the design of this card uh i hope we get to see more like this
1: yeah i think this card is very like i mean and really all the plans walker, well i shouldn't say all the plans walkers any plans walker we judge is always format dependent but i think this one has a high ceiling of potential because it does i mean if you just start with like edh right like this is like auto include slot probably in the uh Eurocode decks and then anything that like wants to deal with evasion and ninjas and stuff like that. And then in standard being a three mana planeswalker that um provides a body, protects itself in the first turn, and then gives you card advantage the turn after is is pretty pretty high, right? So I think this card just all around hits all the notes. And at three mana, again, um it just you know, it's gonna come down early. It um, reminds me a little bit of like Liliana of the Veil in the sense that it's like a three mana does quite a bit in that small package, right? Um, And so, yeah, I think this card is really awesome. Um I'm hoping cards like this will see play in standard because uh, this just seems like the kind of interaction you want in a game. You know, we've been... I, mean, I don't know, standard lately really isn't bad i think people just still have such a bad taste in their mouth from the throne it's really hard to get people in right now but you know cause i've played like fringe decks like vampires stuff like that they've been really fun to play so i think just paper magic right now is just having a hard time and of course you know we're dealing with new variant of covid which keeps people out of the shops all that kind of stuff so we're just you know it's just a tough time all around but yeah i think this is great
0: yeah i think the cards is like on its own like i heard uh people saying like it just it would just be fine in like a blue black tempo style deck on its own Mm -hmm. but the big thing about this card is it signifies the return of ninjas right and why would they make a planeswalker that makes unblockable one ones if there wasn't gonna be ninjutsu
1: in the set the yeah it seems pretty telling um i mean they could give us another mechanic that's very similar to ninjutsu but i think like we said i think that's kind of like the bread and butter so all
0: right before we start recording i told you Earlier today, I had an idea. Uh, for you can, we can call it a prediction. So, hmm. but probably in the next few weeks, we'll have to do our Kamigawa predictions episode because it seems we're going to be getting spoilers pretty soon. I think they said I suppose don't officially start till the end of January. Right. Anyway, here's a prediction. Here's an early prediction. And feel free to tell me it's stupid because I'm pretty sure it is stupid. Hmm. But we're gonna get a Ninjitsu variant that allows you to return your opponent's creatures and give them the creature from your hand. And the creatures will have, like, say it's like a 1 1, like a Fidian style thing that you ninjutsu, bounce your opponent's card, you put it down, but whenever that creature connects, uh, that whoever it dealt damage to gets a draw card. I don't
1: think it's stupid. I think it's just kind of complicated to like. Oh,
0: well, I mean, it's a, it's a magic set nowadays. That's kind of the territory we're going into. Look Fair at Cleave. Um, but then, uh, well, like, how? What would the mana cost have to be for like one that like did the same thing, but whenever it connects, it says like you discard two cards, so that you bounce your opponent's creature to their hand. Say so it's like like a, a black three one. So then you take three, but then your opponent has to discard two cards because that creature connected.
1: Uh, I mean, it'd say it'd be like in the five mana range. Because like, like three
0: black black or something like that.
1: Because like the draw is like. In a five, a fight four or five man range for the the hidden way, the one that I was talking about last time. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be pretty. A discarding two cards is a pretty hefty hit, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's like always. If it's like always connecting, right? So,
0: but then it's like I kind of was like thinking like how balanced that would be, because I like obviously like the if it was like a rare, I, I don't I doubt I would like see like standard play, but like in limited. All right, I attack you. You're like, okay, a bouncer creature. Now you have a three-one, and it hits. And then you have to discard two cards, which is obviously blow Blood. They only have like one card left in hand, and they have to discard both the creature and whatever. So maybe it is too powerful. I don't know. But then they have a three-one remaining that can just like trade or chump block or something. I don't know. But that was just a crazy prediction. I was like, I could actually see them doing. Right. Um. I mean, I'm not expecting it. But I think it would be a creative avenue for them
1: really hope they don't add too many rogues, because I was I was kind of getting really tired of rogues. But I, I know there will be some in here, especially in blue block, because it's like ninja and rogues and stuff like that. But mm. yeah, that rogue deck was really annoying. <laughs> like, it wasn't even... I mean, it was good. It was just kind of like Hearthstoney. that, like, you know, when you start milling totally. people... <laughs> well i'm just saying, like when you start like milling people you know you randomly can get their best stuff and then they can't play magic which sucks so i just like a different bad feeling all all together
0: that was actually pretty funny whenever your dad whenever he was getting to play magic he was playing <laughs> on the ladder and he's like i hate these darn mill decks
1: uh, this wasn't um, darn that's for for darn sure yeah. <laughs> yeah people who play mill are uh this and that i was like you know if you know because then he was like you know you just gotta be a man about it and play I was straight up i was like well that's kind of magic allows you to do a lot of things bad so
0: (laughs) wait until he runs into a happily ever after deck if even exist
1: no i think you wouldn't mind that as much because i mean mill mill really is like a field it's like counter spells too like Mm -hmm. counter spells and it's funny i've never really i didn't realize this until i started listening to like other people like other content creators and stuff talking about this but Mill no encounter really rub people the wrong way, new players especially, and I just didn't know that. I was just like, "Oh, it's like part of the game. It's fine." But no, some people really hate it. So, well,
0: let's move on to a card that has some amount of controversy coming with it. It has Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos. I hope I said that correctly. It's a three in a black for a legendary creature, ogre demon at rare. Oh, I should have mentioned that Kaito Shizuki is at mythic. It's a Planeswalker, you probably already knew that. But uh, Hidetsugu is a 4-4. Has the activated ability, pay a black, and sac a creature to scry 2. So like, super Viserys here, but you have to pay a mana. And then for 2 and a red and tap it, exile a top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. When you exile a not-land card this way, Hidetsugu, Devouring Chaos, deals damage equal to the exiled card's mana value to any target. So, uh, you were excited for this card. We'll yeah, get man. into the controversial stuff after, but I want to tell me why you were excited for this.
1: Prosper, man, this goes like straight into Prosper. It's pretty sweet too. I mean, it's like a four, 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 four. You have Scribe abilities, which fits you know Prosper because you want to you know stack your deck in a certain way when you exile. Um, and then, yeah, exile on the top card and playing it this turn. Yeah, just it has all the all the makings for a great prosper card. I got to start figuring out too what I want to like cut. Cause I'm like, there's just, there's always good stuff, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty picky about like what I put in the decks, but it's really nice too, because it's three in a block. So I get to, you know, like mana crypt, play a land, you know, and play something, else. you know, like on turn two, right? I can bring it out. So I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I think it's great.
0: One other aspect of this card, are special frames that they showed. And they really cater to the whole neon part of Neon Dynasty. So we have, uh, what would you say, this is like purple, then we have yellow, and then green. These are all neon, by the way. And then blue, and then like pink magenta kind of thing going on. And so these are, it's kind of like Hidesugu's personal showcase frame. These are the subjects of a bit of controversy, because these are going to be extremely rare. Uh, did you see the rarity on these? Because I heard some something today that shocked me. Uh,
1: I know one of them is like one of a kind, almost super rare. And then there's a couple colors. No, I guess I guess because they all I forgot if they're regional or not, but they're pretty. And it's only happening for this car, I believe, too. Yeah, that's having all that's these a- frames. So
0: Hidetsugu is the only one that's getting this neon treatment, but. So what I heard is you'll find one of these cards in one in every one hundred collector boosters.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And every and only collector boost. And I believe I heard I don't think I probably should have looked up before we start recording. But so they said that there's they're not equal in rarity. Right. So you'll probably see the purple one more often. The pink one's the pink magenta one's supposed to be the most rare.
1: Yeah, the yellow one is like a store thing or something like that. Yeah, but the it's yellow ones you
0: get on LGS. Yeah.
1: I I'll be honest. I'm I'm super for this. the reason why is because I've really wanted for the longest time for them to have like very limited one of the kind one of a kind cards that you can get in booster packs. And granted, I want them really in like regular boosters and not <laughs> just collector boosters, but even then like it's super cool to have the opportunity to open something that no one else has open kind of like they do in the sports card stuff, you know, where they have, like, they're like numbered. Right. And when one, one out of like a hundred or something like that, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm super down for this because at the end of the day I can still get the regular version of the card. And just that, like that one day I'm like opening, you know, my Willy Wonka chocolate bar and there lies the golden ticket. Like I'm all about that kind of stuff. So um, I really think they should have done this a long time ago to be quite honest and I just don't know why they haven't. Like, it makes so much sense, you know, when you're trying to push booster cells and you tell someone, by the way, there's, like, this one-of-a-kind card in here or whatever that you can get. It just seems like a no-brainer, honestly. So
0: They ha- they need to buy five collector booster boxes to get?
1: Or you can just stumble into your LGS like you should do anyway. And random randomly, ran- yep, snipe a pack. It happens all the time, more than people think, actually. And that's mm-hmm. really the way to do it. Like, if you're just like a regular, like, so what I like to do is like, I don't have like a lot of spending money right now because of school and whatnot. So I've relegated to just, I'll walk into my LGS, I'll buy one pack and that satisfies me. Like, oh, like I got this one collector booster pack or whatever. And cool. Like sometimes, it's, I mean, I've had, I've hit some great stuff. Like, uh, for, uh, uh, Modern Horizons 2, probably one of the best snipe packs I ever I got. I got a, a foil borderless um, fury, which one at the time I pulled it, it was only like 10 to 15 bucks. But then that car got really popular and it was like a $70 car, which I'm glad I waited. Right. And then in that same pack, I also got a non-foil borderless grief. And then I got the, the, um, Oh, what should I call it? Retro foil, uh, force. So like that pack was just stacked mega stacked. So, um, yeah. You know, and sometimes I get like super duds where like the booster I paid twenty dollars for the booster and like I got like five dollars worth of cards if that. So you know. But uh anyways, I can t- I, I can tell you that you're not a you I know you're not a big fan of it, first of all, because you don't get to buy really collector boosters, but uh is there really any other issues you have with it or
0: I mean I'm more indifferent than anything. Mm. And I just realized looking at the cards on a uh, Mythic spoiler mm. that like the one I was saying was purple, it has like on the bottom left, it has like a just a R. And then the rest of them has, like, R, neon ink yellow, neon ink green, neon ink blue, neon ink red, which Mm. does not look, it's magenta. But either way, so, like, I wonder if, like, the one that has an R, which I'm assuming stands for, like, regular, Mm -hmm. is, like, if that's the one that's, like, 1 in a 100, or maybe, like, that one's more common. And then, like, the one that says, like, or I guess neon ink yellow is the the LGS one, but like the green, blue and pink ones are the ones that are going to be like one in every 100 collector boosters. But this other one that doesn't have like the neon ink on it is uh, probably going to be more common in collector boosters. I wonder if that's the case.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. I will say that. somehow
0: (laughs) explained it. (laughs) Do it. I wonder, I wonder if they explained this on the stream that we didn't watch.
1: I'm sure they Uh, did. The one that I want to crack is the, the the fuchsia one because just because i think color scheme it will fit my um the way that the prosper deck looks but then if not i'll just like the regular purple one too so
0: well okie dokie let's move on to our four mana four four dragon for the set yeah well i guess there's gonna be lots of these but this is the this is or how do i at sushi at sushi the blazing sky Two red, red for a legendary creature, Dragon Spirit at Mythic. It's a four, four. Has Flying and Trample. Whenever at Sushi the Blazing Sky dies, choose one. Exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. And then, or you can choose create three treasure tokens. Uh, Cards seems pretty cool. However, uh, this is as is custom. We get a four mana four four uh red dragon it seems like seemingly every set that everyone gets really hyped for thinks it looks really cool and then nobody plays it uh i'm playing it because
1: i it's have a standard. dragon deck now and that's yeah. where it's slotting in. i love it i love i love three mana four fours with a ton of abilities so <laughs> i don't know I, I agree that it probably is just another dragon and center doesn't make it but i don't know this one the fact that it dying gives you three treasure tokens. We don't have a lot of exile effects currently in standard. I think this card actually will do some play here Uh, again, always dependent on what the meta looks like. But if, if you know, I don't know. I just like this dragon a lot. I like all dragons. What am I saying? But I think this one has some potential because it, it doesn't have an ETB, but it does have a really good die trigger.
0: Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. Like some people say it has a bit of legendary protection. In that whenever you cast a second one, you just pick whichever one you just cast and you just sack it, and you get either get like a really doubly expensive reckless impulse, uh-huh. or you just get to sack it in for three mana later, which uh-huh. is all right. But yeah, uh, there's just so many like red dragons in standard that I don't know necessarily. I mean, I guess it just depends on the theme of your deck because if you're playing the one that makes like dragon illusions if you're doing like a spell slinger style thing, Yeah, it's much and different. Then, you do that, you're, just, you're just playing smoldering egg and like, I'll just run gold span dragon.
1: Right. But yeah. yeah,
0: I like the design. I love getting more legends though.
1: Yeah. I think, I think this one just has a, I mean, the good thing about the, the four mana four, four dragons is that they are different. Like they all want to do different things. So they all have potential to be in different decks. So, which is really cool. Really cool. Right. Excuse me.
0: So, uh there was actually a couple cards that weren't officially announced but they were leaked. Uh cuz you want to go ahead and just talk talk about these.
1: Yeah, so for the record it's not confirmed that these are even real cards. However, a lot of people <coughs> excuse me, speculate that they that they are um So the first one is uh Koyaden Soul of Kamigawa. So it's Three and a white for a 3 3 dragon spirit legendary creature. uh Has flash and flying. And oh, sorry, it's Koyada. I got to know. I, whatever. <laughs> Koyada, Soul of Kodai. 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 Kodak. Kodak. Kodak Black. Kodak White. Uh, anyways, Kodai. Uh, soul of Kamigawa enters the battlefield under, or sorry, enters the battlefield. Uh, another target permanent gains indestructible for as long as you control Kodai. And then it has Wuberg, so uh, white, blue, black, red, green. Uh, it gets plus five, plus five until end of turn. Uh, this is also an auto clue in my dragon's deck because this is now a dragon that gives protections to my dragon. I mean, not all of them at once, but if they try to target removal or something like that, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, this is something that I. I don't really expect to see standard play. However, it could just really be dependent on what other dragons they give us. If they give us something that's like a low mana uh, or yeah, a a low CMC dragon. um, This has potential because a three, three flying flash is nothing to scoff at and it gives it protection. Um, And really actually for guys, and it's another target permanent. So yeah, just any permanent. So actually this is pretty good. I feel like this is uh, actually a really sweet card.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was like in my head, I'm like it's it's real. I mean, just look at it, it's real. But then also, uh, there was that fake Elspeth that went around prior to Caldheim that I was like, oh, that looks super real. But um, uh,
1: for actual, that was I think
0: it was like one that's like gets counters on it, then creature control get buffed based on the number of counters on it and debuffs your opponent's is. It, was... hmm. it wasn't real. Uh, but yeah, I think this card's actually like super cool. Uh, first off, I was like, eh, I don't know. But then what I think about it is like, there's some sort of like white X Tempo deck. Imagine like you like drop elite spell binder. You like hose one of their cards. They like play something to try and kill one of your creatures. And you're like, ha ha, white counter spell. And also I get a three, three flyer. It's like, this is just better overcharged amalgam. Yeah. But uh, I could, the, being able to hose most removal... Because most there's not a whole lot of exile. There's not really any exile, really. Other than, like, Brutal Cathar, Skyclay Evaporation, Portable Hole. Faithful so Absence, does
1: that exile? Which one? Fateful no, Absence. No, Faithful Absence destroys.
0: Okay. So, it's basically if you're playing... So, this card will not be good if you're playing against the mono white list, But, um something I I I'm more confident saying this will we'll see play than at sushi. Just yeah. we'll be seeing a standard play.
1: Anyway, I can get behind that. I mean, it'll, both of those dragons are going to definitely be slotted into my uh, dragon deck, so that's all I worry about. Uh, the next card is uh, Takanuma, Abandoned Mire. It's a legendary land that taps for black mana, one black mana, and then it has channel, so three in a black, discard Takanuma, Abandoned Mire. Mill three cards, uh, then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. ability costs one less for each legendary creature you control. Um, yeah, this is solid. Uh, this is another actually really great commander land. Um, and in standard, I think it'll be a little slow. However, having it come in untapped is really nice. Uh, and it is a legendary land. So it's like, you'll have one on the field and the rest of them, you know, you'll be discarding to the channel ability. So I think this is a great, uh, I think it's a great utility land.
0: I'm not a fan.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Four, four mana for mill three then raise dead?
1: Uh, well, say What's a
0: spell on a land? So I'm trying to think of it like that. Like if it was an MDFC that entered untapped and then had like four mana, mill three, raise, like what would I think about it? Is how I'm trying to... And then also it's legendary land so if you drop the first one then the the remaining three of them are all just going to be the channel thing, which is actually interesting because now, cause they with like world tree came out. They're like, why isn't this legendary? They're like we don't like the way legendary lands play. And so like, for, I guess the reason behind this one is because it has this channel ability. They felt better giving it legendary land. Um, but I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. However, what do you think the rarity is on it? Probably rare.
1: Oh, it's definitely rare. Well, this um, is a mythic.
0: I lose my mind.
1: No, I think and this I definitely hate <laughs> I think this card is. I actually think it's pretty powerful. Just my very limited uh, constructed opinion. <laughs> I guess this is the best way to put it. Uh, just things like it, could, it can possibly do in modern. Uh, the things that I always that always stick out to me, like what makes a strong land. Does it come in untapped? Uh, does it make a colored source of mana? And is its ability relative enough to where, you know, it plays in some way in the game that, like, basically gives you more card advantage? And this kind of, you know, it's either like card advantage, like drawing cards, or it has an ability that makes a creature stronger, whatever it is, right? But, like, it has, like, that capability. And this kind of, like, hits all those notes. So I think, I don't think it's going to be an amazing superstar, but I think it's going to be an addition to a lot of decks. Um, if it doesn't hit standard, then I think modern you know could find a use for this um or i think it just also just plays really well on commander too so just because milling grabbing a creature all that you know all those kind of shenanigans and it puts in if it's a legendary land you get like kind of like the the uh, what's the nycthos of nycthos like that one is crazy good because you like Tap yours, make float a bunch of mana, play the other one, sacrifice it, do it again. But this still like you get to play this land untap, f- make the mana that kind of thing for your land drop. So,
0: anyway. yeah, I, I could, I could see it in uh, Commander. No, you've convinced me, because it's just basically an MDFC at that point, point. Um, and you don't have to worry about running multiples. Yep, uh, I just saw the full alternate art thing for Atsushi, and I'm like, holy moly. Yeah, it looks sweet. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of looking amazing, I'm not talking about you because I'm not right now. Um, We got a look at these basic lands. Yeah. With no text on them. So if you don't know what the mana emblems mean and the colors, and if you're... uh, Oh, shoot, I'm forgetting. So Sewell, I'm sorry. Uh, You'll have to learn the mana symbols because the only way to tell what these... Uh, tap for is based on the color of the cards. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, the, they're super, super, they're super intricate, awesome looking, but I think I still prefer the eternal night ones from the past, uh, Innistrad block.
1: I love these 1 billion percent. However, it just always, it always drives me crazy because, I'm very particular in how I want my lands to look. So they did, I think, overall, a very awesome representation, um, you know, what a plains looks like. And I'm talking about there's, like, there's, like, the top half and the bottom half. The top half are, like, in nature, and the bottom half are, like, city living Mm -hmm. Kamigawa, I guess, whatever. I think, overall, they did a terrific job in representation, except for the island, which I just don't understand – for the love of god why they can't do an island like every time they do islands it's It's there's some yeah this one's waterfall but like in the last one uh in crimson vow is like some kraken stabbing a ship and then some pool in the middle of nowhere like they just don't do islands but the mountain i love the mountain i love the forest my other issue is in the same with the same island it's not blue enough but yet the stupid city one is i'm like why put some blue in there please like make it an island blue island at least so i love i love the style whatever i just again the, the art direction just kind of miffs me sometimes and of course i love that mountain because not only does it look like a perfect mountain but there's a dragon in the background so it's awesome so
0: would you say that one's your favorite
1: oh 100 percent and the waterfall is gorgeous, yeah. and it would be my favorite if it was like, I don't know, and I like, <laughs> it also,
0: like it could be a forest. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, you, you get that one, and you just play it as your uh, budget tropical island. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the mountains my favorite. But for the sake of being different, I'll pick the plains that has like the sun in it and it has like the field, and you have like yeah, that's pretty too. It's very pretty. Uh, one thing that's kind of upsetting is that these are only going to be in. One in every three booster packs. Get out of here! It will not be in every single booster.
1: Oh sure. my god! There's no
0: reason for that. After giving basically dope full art lands like, uh, well we had snow and time. then we didn't. Yeah, and like Innistrad block, and then uh, the Zendikar or whatever, where they put full art in every pack. There's no reason to do this one every <laughs> three. The only reason they do that is like artificially make them. More scarce system. and buy
1: more. I pa- know. I mean, that's why. and That's a good reason. It just sucks that they chose to do it with these. Like, uh I mean, I guess any of them, I would be. I don't know. It's that mountain. That mountain, I'm in love with. I love that mountain. So
0: you're gonna you're going pull a, enough so you can get nothing for a mono red deck or something in EDH or how many of them you want to try and get. I in? mean, if
1: I was running, you know, I might have to run this ba- like basic mountain because I don't have any basics in my Ur dragon, but I might literally just run it that way. The dragon yeah.
0: That whenever I packed the eggs you, you couldn't find anything. That was funny. Yeah, um, yeah. but Yeah. These are gorgeous. The, I hate the whole one in every three packs thing, yeah. but, um, uh, the eternal night ones are still my favorite, uh, basics.
1: You've already heard my opinion on those. I've seen a little more of their colors and them, but they're still awesome. So,
0: well, that will do it for all the stuff that we got for Kamigawa. They said that, Spoiler season will officially pick up at the end of January. But as always, Watsy has the reserves the right to just do whatever they want. Poop out and some we'll get random one. cards between then and now. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to get to our Kamigawa predictions before too long.
1: Yep.
0: But now, all right, moving on to the next little bit. Uh, so because this episode's coming out on Christmas Eve, uh, we want to do a little Christmassy thing. And be honest, we were struggling a little bit to come up with something to do. But mm-hmm. so what we ended up landing on is basically if we could get a Christmas gift from Watsy to us personally. So, what would be the best thing Watsy could give Costa for Christmas? And then, what's the best thing Watsy can give the Micah for Christmas? And we're going to be sharing what that is. And so Costa wants you to let us know what you really want, wants you to give you for Christmas.
1: Uh, So since I kind of missed the mark here a little bit and that it was just supposed to be f- for me personally, but that's fine. It could be for oh. everyone. No, nah, it's fine. It's, it's this yeah. is be for me personally. I would love an exclusive set of 10 new dual decks because when I started getting my friends into magic, we kind of created our own dual decks. Really? It was just casual decks that we threw together. There's like no banned cards or anything like that. And so I actually have sitting up on my bookshelf over there. It's the box we call the gauntlet box of decks, but I used to really love the dual decks um, because they were curated decks and they did a pretty good job. Like, um, you know, they always, you know, they put like a little bit of value in there. Um, But the decks were just fun to play against each other. Um, And so, I would really like first of all for them to bring those back, but you know, since it's just for me, I would love to have ten special great dual decks. Um, because I really miss that. Like that's that's just a fun part of magic is uh getting my friends together and doing that.
0: Fun bit of trivia. The very first magic product I bought was the Theros dual decks, or like the face of one was Hydra Broodmother.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: the other one was the the Sphinx thing. I, I can't so. remember. It was like speed versus something. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's how I got a Nyknos in it. And you're right. So some of them did have some money in it. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was the very first thing, uh, uh, Magic bit I've ever purchased. Because it was featured on um, the Spell Slingers thing where uh, Luis Scott Vargas played against Day Nine using those dual decks. And that's I saw cool. it at Walmart. I was like, hey, I'm going to pick that up. That's actually when I really got into Magic or started to get into magic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I really, I guess they like, just like, I guess they don't balance the like challenger decks that way. And then they're nah. just like, yeah. So that'd be, and that's just like a fun thing. You just get a bunch of them and like grab them. And it's like, basically your own like kind of like magic board game thing.
1: And they're very ca- Exactly. It's very, exactly. It's very board game. And the, the rare or the, the cards that they pull from like, all times of magic so that's really a nice thing and that's like what ours uh like our little dual decks battle royale decks that we have are they're just decks from or cards from magic's history so there's nothing like they don't have to all be from theros or something like that which is really cool because like you, you, that's how i learned about other cards i used to right so yeah i miss i miss the dual decks i wish they'd bring those back
0: well all right What can Wizards of the Coast give the Micah for Christmas? Get rid of this alchemy nonsense that's going on on Arena, for the love of... I mean, come on. I just... I, I, I know I'm needlessly salty about this, but I just... Every time I think about it, I just get so tilted for no reason whatsoever... And it can't be good for my mental health. So, Wizard of the Coast, please, for my own mental health, let me play with stupid Luminard Aspirin Historic Brawl without having this nonsense triggering on a end, end step. step or, yeah, I, it's like, oh my gosh.
1: I will say that, right. I mean, I understand the saltiness for the historic format. Like, the fact that they didn't separate that is pretty bad. Like, that they should have left alone. That kind of sucks. So, I agree with you there.
0: And then there's like people talking about how alchemy's just made all the arena economy even worse. Cause then even if you like try and like quote unquote buy into an alchemy deck, like use all your wild cards to make an alchemy deck, then they're going to say they nerf it like two weeks later. And then you're just SOL because they said they're not refunding any cards. They nerf. But yeah, so that's the best thing is like basically if I, if I'm being, if I'm trying to be more positive Give me some more um beneficial fun ways to play magic on arena. Because right now I'm at the point where I'm just go I log out and I do my dailies and then just log like, off. Like I'm not like playing as much to have fun. Like I do like when new set releases, I just play a bunch of limited and I enjoy like the fresh standard. But right now, like I mean standard's not bad right now. It's just there's nothing new and exciting going on. And they'll say, Oh, well, alchemy. It's like, well, no, you can piss off um well i thought about maybe i should cuss because we learned how to bleep it out (laughs) but um
1: kind of all for it
0: but so yeah so like do what they thought we're gonna do and put like pioneer on arena or end up doing freaking modern just come on
1: yeah pioneer should be on here for sure
0: i kind of get how why four person commander isn't on there is because that's you'd dumb. have to change so much about the way the client works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just give me a better arena. <laughs> and give me the give me back what I liked about arena before when I thought historic was this cool format to like mess around with and like play with some old cards, play it at a higher power level. But now I'm just like, it's not even real magic anymore. What is this trash? Straight garbage all right uh either way uh that's what they could give me for christmas that would make me a very happy little boy uh but yeah so that's all we have planned uh coast did you have anything else you want to talk about
1: so I think actually I told you before I didn't have any quick picks and I still don't have any quick picks today, but you know, I also talk a little bit about finance, uh, which I haven't done in a while. So I'll give you some magic finance tips. Uh, around this time you start to see the new judge promos come out and, uh, among this drop of course is the super awesome Edgar Markov. Uh, I just wanted to basically, for those who listen Don't get wrapped up in the hype right now. Don't go pay $350 for this card. It is absolutely sick, but there's, I can almost guarantee there's a plethora of supply for this card. Wait till it drops. Um, Just as an example, when the Nickel Bolas dropped uh, the Ravager, uh, that one was like, had like a 200 plus price tag. And the first drop it did, it hit like 150, then it went to 100. And now it's like 50 bucks. So uh, I think that card will uh, rise again. I definitely think you'll, it'll, it'll gain, um, you know, some cha-ching on it, but uh, just as a point, uh, pointer here, don't, don't buy them right now. Um, they're way too, they're way too pricey. Uh, so that's pretty much it for my finance stuff. Um, I guess, do you want to do our our special little thing that Jason uh, not only prompted us to do, but donated as well? Let's do it. So in the uh, Christmas spirit uh, and the fact that we're almost a year old, um, we don't have, you know, we don't have, you know, booming views or anything yet you know listens but we're getting there um but we wanted to kind of give back and so jason actually was the one that prompted this and it's nothing big but um he donated to the podcast a Holebreaker horror and a shipwreck marsh that you as the listeners can obtain for free uh through a i guess randomized raffle is that what we're going to do uh, the giveaway. Thank you. It's giveaway. Sorry, I'm so lo- I'm so tired. And lost forwards right now. So, <laughs> um, so Micah, once you go ahead and tell them how they can enter our little giveaway sweepstakes.
0: So to enter the giveaway, first thing you need to do is go ahead and follow us on Twitter and follow us on Facebook. Then you will find a link that we will post to both of those on our Twitter and on our Facebook advertising this episode of the podcast if you please either retweet or share that uh link then after doing that and sending us an email at untapped mailbag at gmail.com uh what do we what do we have them say in the email cosa?
1: Uh, just their address. And actually, if you wouldn't also mind just as some feedback, if you could give us some feedback and tell us what you've been, th- you know, what you thought about the show so far, what we can do to change it. Because again, we're coming up, up on that year and uh, we want to know what y'all really like. And obviously listens is one of the ways that that happens. But, um, you know, we want to know what you've enjoyed the most about the show and maybe anything it doesn't have to be anything long you can just say hey you really like the content and, and that's the honest truth that's the honest truth but if you have something like hey Costa," you know you start really slow you're not very energized in the beginning but then you come on that's great too what we just wanted to have some feedback we just want to know you know kind of you know morph in into something that everyone likes as much as we can right so um but definitely your address obviously because otherwise i don't know who to send the cards to. so
0: And, you know, like the game of Magic the Gathering, we here at MTG Untapped are about interaction. Uh, I don't know. I waited so long to say that. Yeah, sorry. Just to bring it back, follow us on Twitter at MTG Untapped Pod and Facebook at MTG Untapped Podcast. Retweet the link tweeted out from our Twitter for this episode. And then also share on Facebook the link for this episode on Facebook. That will be put on our Facebook page. And then send an email to untappedmailbag at gmail.com with your address and any constructive feedback and uh, screw it. Put the hashtag Merry Christmas. I don't know.
1: And uh, one last thing you, too, if you want if you want them signed, you know, some people like stuff signed from where they got it from. So if you want it signed, just also put it in the email too. So we know, and uh, both Mike and I can sign them.
0: And then once you, everyone who completes all those parameters, we will do some sort of random number generator, selector do hickey thingy, and whoever does that, we will announce them next week. Or should we give it two weeks? Or what two do you weeks. Think we we'll do it, we'll do
1: it two weeks. Yeah.
0: All right. So not next week, which will be the New Year's New New Year's New Year's <sighs> Eve episode of the podcast, but the very first podcast of the new year. We season will announce two the win- <laughs> the start on the season premiere uh well i guess no because that'll be episode
1: 52 and hmm, oh, fine the end of season one whatever
0: uh, at the season finale of uh the mtg untapped podcast we will announce the winner of these dope nasty awesome new cards but i think that'll do it for this episode of the mtg untapped podcast what did you think about what we talked about today? Are you jazzed for Kamigawa? What could Watsy give you for Christmas that would make you a happy little boy or girl? Let us know on Twitter at mguntapod or on Facebook, at MTG Podcast. Or if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, send us an email, at untapmailbag at gmail.com. And if you please stop what you're doing and subscribe, rate and leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. It would be very much appreciated, but yes, that'll do it for this. The 49th edition of MTG untapped. I have been the Micah signing off for Costa. We will talk to y'all next week. Have a Merry Christmas. Bye guys. Oh,
1: oh, oh, Merry Christmas. Y'all.